the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, Thursday, July 20th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. I've got Bill to my north and David to my west. David Dahl, my producer, makes me sound good every day, or as good as he can (laughs) with the material he has to work with. You guys like a story? You want to hear a little story? You want a once upon a time? Here's a once upon a time. In a small chalet on the mountain road from Verona to Innsbruck, Two furtive tourists sat, pretending not to study each other. Outdoors, the great hills rose in peace that summer evening in 1912. Indoors, the two remaining patrons, both young, both dusty from the road, sat across the room from each other, each supping at his own small table. One was a robustly active figure, dark with a bull head. The other was thin and mouse-haired. It was somewhat surprising to see him take from his knapsack several sketches in watercolor. Upon this, the dark young traveler, who'd been scribbling notes in a memorandum book, decided to speak. You're a painter, I see. Yes, the insignificant one replied, his small eyes, singularly hard and cold. You, sir, I take it to be a writer? The dark young man brought his glass of red wine and his plate of cheese and hard sausage to the painter's table. You permit, he asked as he sat down. By profession, I am a journalist. An editor, I think, the watercolor painter responded. I might guess that you've written editorials not relished by the authorities. Why would you guess that? Because, the painter said, when other guests were here, a shabby man slipped in and whispered to you. A small thing, but I observed it, though I'm not a detective. Not a detective, the dark young man repeated. And yet, perhaps, dangerously observant, this suggests that possibly you do a little in conspiratorial ways. Why do you say that? Because of your appearance. You're precisely a person nobody would notice, but you have an uneasy yet coldly purposeful eye. And because behind us, it's only a step over the mountain path to Switzerland where political refugees are safe. Yes, no doubt, fortunately for you, The mouse-haired painter smiled. As for me, I'm in no trouble with the authorities, but I admit I do have certain ideas. I was sure you have. The journalist drank half his wine. Ideas? With such men as you and me, that means ambitions. Socialism, of course. That would be a first step only toward what we really want. Am I right? Here in this lonely place, the painter smiled faintly. It is safe to admit that one has dazzling thoughts. You and I, strangers and met by chance, perceive that each in his own country seeks an extreme amount of success. That means power. That is what we really want. We are two odd men. Should we both perhaps be rightly thought insane? Greatness is easily mistaken for insanity, the swarthy young man said. Greatness is the ability to reduce the most intricate facts to simple terms. For instance, take fighting. 
Success is obtained by putting your enemy off his guard, then striking him where he is weakest, in the back if possible. War is as simple as that. Yes, and so is politics, the painter assented absently as he ate some of the fruit formed his supper. Our mutual understanding of greatness helps to show that we are not lunatics, but only a simple matter of geography is needed to prove our sanity. Geography? The journalist didn't follow this thought. How so? Imagine a map. The painter ate a grape. Put yourself in England, for instance, and put me and my dazzling ideas into the polyglot zoo, the United States of America. You in England can bellow attacks on the government to till you wear out your larynx, and some people will agree with you, and some won't. And that is all that would happen. In America, I could do the same. Do you not agree? Certainly, the journalist said. In those countries, the people create their own governments. They make them what they please, and so the people really are the government. They let anybody stand up and say what he thinks. If they believe he said something sensible, they vote to do what he suggests. If they think he is foolish, they vote no. Those countries are poor fields for such as you and me, because... Why conspire in a wine cellar to change laws that permit themselves to be changed openly? Exactly, the watercolor painter smiled, his faint, strange smile. Speech is the expression of thought and will. Therefore, freedom of speech means freedom of the people. If you prevent them from expressing their will in speech, you have them enchained, an absolute monarchy. Of course, nowadays, he who chains the people is called a dictator. My friend, the dark young man exclaimed, we understand each other, but where men cannot speak out, they will whisper. You and I will have to talk out of the sides of our mouths until we have established the revolutions we contemplate. For a moment, suppose us successful. We are dictators, let us say. Then in our turn, do we permit no freedom of speech? If we don't, men will talk out of the sides of their mouths against us, so they may overthrow us in turn. You see the problem? Yes, my friend, like everything else, it is simple. In America or England, so long as governments actually exist by means of freedom of speech, you and I could not even get started. And when we shall become masters of our own countries, we shall not be able to last a day unless we destroy freedom of speech. The answer is this, we do destroy it. But how? By means of a purge. Purge? The words seemed new to the journalist. What is that? Once more was seen the watercolor painter's peculiarly icy smile. My friend, if I had a brother who talked against me either out of the side of his mouth or the front of it and lived to run away, he might have to leave his wife and child behind him. A purge is a form of carbolic acid that would include the wife and child. I see. The dark youth looked admiring but shivered slightly. On the one hand, then, there is freedom of speech, and on the other, this fatal acid you call a purge. The two cannot exist together in the same country. The people of the earth can take their choice, but you and I can succeed only where we persuade them to choose the purge. They would be brainless to make such a choice, utterly brainless. On the other hand, said the painter, many people can be talked into anything. Even if it is terrible for themselves, I shall flatter all the millions of my own people into accepting me and the purge instead of freedom. He spoke with a confidence so monstrous in one of his commonplace and ungifted appearances that the other stared aghast. At this moment, however, a shrill whistle was heard outside. Without another word, the dark young man rose, 
woke the landlord, paid a score, and departed hurriedly. The painter spoke to the landlord. That fellow seems to be some sort of shady character, rather a weak one. Do you know him? Yes and no, the landlord replied. He's in and out, mainly after dark. One meets all sorts of people in the Brenner Pass. You might run across him here again, yourself, someday. I don't know his whole name, but I have heard him called Benito, my dear young Herr Hitler. I obviously did not write that. That was written by one of the great literary giants of the 20th century, author named Booth Tarkington. It was written in the Saturday Evening Post in 1943 to accompany a piece of art that was also printed in the Saturday Evening Post, that February 1943 issue. That painting was Norman Rockwell's Freedom of Speech. Many of you can imagine it in your mind's eye. Young man standing up, looking a little bit like young Abe Lincoln at a town hall. To commemorate the four freedoms as articulated by Franklin Roosevelt, each one of them printed by, painted by Norman Rock, depicted in a painting by Norman Rockwell and printed in the Saturday Evening Post, each one of them accompanied by a literary essay by a literary giant. This one was freedom of speech. I don't think they teach this anymore. I don't think they teach that kind of writing anymore. I don't think they teach that kind of history anymore. And that is slowly but surely how you lose such things as freedom of speech. But note the brilliance. Note the brilliance of what Mr. Tarkington was putting in that short story. Note the brilliance of what he said, that where freedom of speech exists dictatorships can't. Reflect on that for a moment. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Young David, did you... uh are you familiar with those Norman Rockwell? Pa- are you familiar with Norman Rockwell and his art? The, do, do you know those paintings, the Four Freedoms? Well, if you'd visited my house on Sunday for the barbecue, Ooh. you would have seen that Ooh. I have all four Ouch. hanging up on oh. my wall. Ouch! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Really, really. Yeah, I, I'm very familiar with them. Wow! Uh, I, I grew up in a family that uh, liked Norman Rockwell. Yeah. Oh, you know, I went to. He's an um, underrated and dismissed. You know by the art professoriate, you know, but um, I have I have a painting of his as well. It's a uh, reprint, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but it's um, it's 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 called the problem we all live with. Do you know that painting? I might know the illustration. I might yeah. not know what the title of it. Yeah, is, yeah. You know, you might know the illustration. It's um, it's a painting depicting a proud young little black girl in a white dress walking to school. This was in regards to yeah. uh, the Little Rock Five, yeah. right? Uh, well, it was actually – this was in New Orleans. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's being escorted by four U.S. Marshals mm-hmm. to the elementary yep. school that was desegregated that Dwight Eisenhower had to send in U.S. Marshals 
to enforce integration in New Orleans. Her name was Ruby Bridges. She's still alive, that young girl. She's a real person, and um, her name is Ruby Bridges. It's a beautiful – I mean it's an obviously awful story that has beautiful sentiments all around it in what was overcome here, if if that makes sense. It was an an awful moment that depicted a beautiful young child who had a beautiful story around her. There was a a professor of uh, psychiatry at Harvard, very famous psychiatry professor – named Robert Coles, who uh, was very interested in what segregation and the fight for desegregation was doing in the South to young children. He encouraged Norman Rockwell to see this and depict this. And I would encourage people, if they want to, if they want to be shamed into some kind of adult thinking— when sometimes the child knows more than the adult about the depths of life. Read some interviews of Ruby Bridges. Read some interviews of Ruby Bridges. She will tell the story. You will find she tells the story in one interview, probably the most prominent. How is it she could look so stoic while people are pelting tomatoes and writing racial epithets on the walls she's walking by. And she says, well, I just knew they knew not what they were doing, and I prayed for them. Yeah, huh? That's deep. Isn't it? I knew they knew not what they were doing, and I prayed for them. Um, you find me a painter in America who can bring that out. People don't think Norman Rockwell was important. They think he was... Not sophisticated. He was perhaps more sophisticated. I read an interview once with his, uh, or heard an interview, I should say, with his, um, one of his biographers. And uh, they said, you know, but the criticism is much of his paintings depicted an America that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And the biographer said, well, it painted parts of America that existed. And he painted parts of America he wanted to exist, and what's so wrong with painting what you want to exist? A better depiction, of course, than what is. I don't mean to go off on, on art history here. I did go to um, to the Norman Rockwell Museum in Western Mass. If you ever have the opportunity to do it, Stockbridge, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Stockbridge, I think it was Stockbridge. It's well worth your time. You'll spend hours there. David, I could see you spending a whole day there. I bet you I would. Uh, yeah, yeah, you would spend a whole day there. I'll tell you a little story on someone. I have a sister who's a um, well-known professor of art history who lived in western Massachusetts. And when I went to go visit her once, I wanted. I said, this is what I would like. What would you like to do? This is what I'd like to do. And she was just kind of, you know, poo-pooing it because she's come from that, you know, oh, academic, yes. intellectual ilk. She loved it. She wow. loved it. Don't don't tell her fellow faculty. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't tell anyone. She well, you still there listening, it. yes. Yeah, hope they're not listening. Um, the news today, or what should be the news today, is... I'll give it to you from Margot Cleveland. Senator Chuck Crassley of Iowa just released a minimally redacted copy of the FBI's FD-1023 form detailing a confidential human sources reporting 
of a criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Joe Biden and the Ukrainian business Burisma. According to the summary, Burisma's owner specifically referenced the firing of Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin, the same man Biden bragged about Ukraine firing after his threat to withhold aid from the country while he was vice president. Have we forgotten this video? Have we forgotten this audio totally? Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <clears throat> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours." If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who... Does that sound, by the way, that kind of threat, I'm leaving here in six hours, does that at all ring familiar? Does that at all ring familiar, perhaps, like a message perhaps his son might have sent? Sound a little familiar? You think the Bidens don't do business together? This, by the way, is why... People around Joe Biden don't want him speaking very much without very heavily scripted (laughs) note cards or teleprompters or written speeches in front of him because he says these kinds of things, statements against interest. And for years since that audio came out when he was at the Council of Foreign Relations doing that kind of bragging, kind of whitewashed it, kind of whitewashed it. Well, Senator Chuck Grassley is bringing the goods today with this copy of FBI of the FBI form. And um, you would think it would be huge news, wouldn't you? You would think it would be huge news where you are tying then Vice President Joe Biden and the Ukrainian to the Ukrainian business of Burisma over the firing of Viktor Shokin. You would think I'll say something about that when we come back. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life? Or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, which may have led to a Biden presidency, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power. And their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of my listeners have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group. They're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. 
So Chuck Grassley releases a slightly redacted copy of an FBI report detailing a confidential human sources reporting of a criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Joe Biden and Ukrainian business Burisma. You would think, we talked a little bit about it in the previous segment, you would think this would be major news. You would think. It's been talked about for a long time. Now Grassley has released more evidence of it. What are the top stories at CNN? This is nowhere to be found on CNN, but what are their tops? So just so you know that they think is important and to shape the narrative. The major story, newly discovered, not evidence of a scandal. No, not that. Newly discovered ice core suggests potential for disastrous sea level rise. Second major story is on Roald Dahl's racism, author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, a story we've also read hundreds of times, and then a story about the NFL owners approving a sale of the commanders to a billionaire named Josh Harris. At the Washington Post, you know, they cover things in Washington there. Do they got this? Uh, do they have this major scandal? No. What's to them the major story is a different scandal. Headline: A longtime Federalist Society executive helped fund a media campaign lionizing Clarence Thomas. None, none, none of which is illegal. It's a story about, gosh, someone in conservative movement. Anyone in the conservative movement over the last forty years knows pretty well, especially if you lived in Washington D.C. It's about Leonard Leo who was the executive uh, VP of the Federal- Federalist Society for many, many years. And uh, son of a gun. Leonard Leo is well known for shepherding conservative judicial nominees. But his public relations campaign shows how he's continued to exert influence in support of right-leaning justices after helping them secure lifetime appointments. Any of that sound criminal to you? Only if you criminalize conservatism. That, to them, is criminal. Conservatism is criminal. And, of course, it's not conservative. It's right-wing. You know, there's a picture of Clarence Thomas there. He's not a conservative. He's right-wing. Pretty soon he'll be another face like Larry Elder of white supremacy once they wear down the right-wing thing. People stop paying attention to that. This, to them, is a scandal. The idea that conservatives marshaled their support and resources to get originalists and strict constructionists on the court. You know the kind of the kind of justices that FDR put on the court when he nominated Felix Frankfurter, let us say. That's all that is. That's all originalism is. Or Robert Jackson. That's all that is. That's all that's about. But them to them that's the scandal. To them that's the scandal. CNN does have a scandal it's covering, Um, and it's about uh, Florida, Florida's new proposed curriculum that uh, headlines, Florida's new standards for teaching black history spark outrage. Well, I'm interested in this stuff, so I clicked it on. Florida Board of Education approves new black history standards that critics call a big step backwards. You want to know what the big step backwards is? Well, I guess we would call that a tease. I'll tell you about it on the other side of the break. It's interesting what CNN and Washington Post thinks are scandals. 
Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. As perfect, uh, well, let me try it this way. Um, To show even the best have imperfections, young David, as you all know, is uh, very skilled at cooking. And did you put up pictures of your beef ribs on Twitter, by the way? You should have. Is it too no, late? No, I didn't. Well, oh, you I, do have I, pictures. I, I, I ate, you uh, sent well, me a picture. Okay, I have one. Yeah, you got to do it. One is in cyberspace. Okay, yeah, you got to put it up. You are very skilled, and people can go to your Instagram account to see you do little cooking lessons. Um, what is it again? What's the handle? On it? Answer the call with Dahl. Answer doll. the call with Dahl, David Dahl. But sometimes in pedagogy, you need to publicly shame someone for them to learn the lesson. Uh-oh. And you cooked a plate of nachos. Cooked is probably a liberal use of that word. Oh, we, we, oh, oh, no. I know where we're going. <laughs> yeah, well, you need to know, and the audience needs to know. It's a lesson for you, but it's also a lesson that even the best of us can air from time to time, which is a good lesson to keep in mind. As I put in my annual commencement, nobody's perfect. You um, heated up, I guess that would be the way to put it, a plate of nachos with beans and cheese and a plastic fork. Uh-huh. Yeah, you cooked a plastic fork. Well, thank heavens I didn't put a metal but fork you, in uh, Yeah, right, right. You only hurt yourself. The metal would have hurt others. Let's not do that anymore. But you ate the nachos, amazingly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then you ate them. Not dead yet. Not <laughs> yet. Okay. What's your pin say today? You got one? Yes, I do. I've got Kennedy and 80. Kennedy and 80, okay. And you know why I'm wearing that? Um, I know I there's always a, there's always a good subtle reason. What is uh, it? Because of this morning's testimony by RFK Jr. Yeah. in Congress. Yes. And he mentioned uh, growing up around his uncle. I don't know if it did his uncle raise him or I'm not sure. Well, sort of that. yes and no. Um, yeah. So the as I understand the history of it, the Kennedy children from Robert that is to say, RFK Jr.'s siblings, were in large part raised by Ted. Mm, so that would explain it. Exactly right, because Jackie did not want her two kids to be raised by Ted. She would also been probably in Greece at the time, Well, right? yeah, but, right, well, but, but she, she, didn't want, she didn't want it. She didn't want him raising their kids, and they turned out not really having the same, shall we say, problems, if you oh. notice. They didn't. Caroline and John Jr. I mean, they 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 had their struggles and Caroline. But and obviously, I don't agree with anything about Caroline's works. We don't have uh, a good political. But she but she didn't like have the life yeah. that yeah you know I mean it wasn't a it wasn't a Hunter Biden type esque life you know <laughs> it wasn't Hunter Biden. Well, it was just interesting if you listened to it this morning. He yeah. talked about how his uncle taught him the importance of bipartisanship uh-huh, and yeah. uh, how his uncle um, famously yeah. met with Orrin Ted Hatton Kennedy teaching point. bipartisanship. Yeah. Robert Bork's oh, America's a more yeah. an America oh, of back exactly alley abortions, right? Yeah. Well, what was it? I we we caught on the quote this morning. He said something very interesting, and I thought it was very pertinent to our our discussions what? earlier in Wait, the week. On oh, this, on free speech uh, on this hearing. Yeah, yeah, he said. And I quote, and the First Amendment was not written for easy speech. Right. It was written for the speech that nobody likes you for. Right. 
That's right. There's no need for a First Amendment if everyone's going to agree. Go back and read what Booth Tarkington wrote in 1943, mm-hmm. right? Right, exactly. So that's why I'm wearing No, good catch. <laughs> good catch. Good work. Good work. So there's this, I think, major scandal given more evidence today by Chuck Grassley. And the scandal at the Washington Post is that conservatives work to get conservative justices on the fed- justices on the Supreme Court and judges on the federal courts. And CNN has a scandal uh, about – the scandal is titled, Florida Board of Education Approves New Black History Standards That Critics Call a Big Step Backwards. You read the story. I want to know what the big step backwards is, which is kind of a weird thing to say about history curricula anyway. I would hope that there would be looking backwards in history, but you know and I know that's not what's meant here. Read this. Get this from CNN. The new standards require instruction for middle school students to include, quote, ready for this, David Dahl? Quote, how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit, close quote, a document listing the standards and posted in the Florida Department of Education website, said. Shall I do that again? The new standards require instruction for middle school, middle school students to include how slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. So I went to the document. You know what they're talking about? How slaves developed skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Learning how to read. This was what Frederick Frederick Douglass was involved in. Yes. This was Frederick Douglass's project after he learned and taught excuse me taught himself how to read. It was his life's quest to teach other enslaved people how to read. Many people here hear me often talk about the phrase each one teach one. Each one teach one. Do you know where that comes from? comes from when an enslaved person learned or was taught to read, it became their duty to teach another one how to read. That's, I use that phrase, I use that phrase when I think about, when we talk about evangelizing conservatism, bringing people over, converting people over to our side. My view is each one teach one. Once you've been woken up, it's your job, awoken, it's your job to find another person and Slowly bring them along, or rapidly, even better, but it's probably slowly. It was in my case, anyway. Each one teach one. And to CNN, and to CNN, this is a scandal. I don't know if they even read the document. I don't even know if they know what they're talking about. But it would be just as bad if they did. It would be just as bad if they did, because they're trying to make it something it isn't. There's no level below which they won't stoop. No level. I don't know. Call me a bigot and racist, but I'm kind of with Frederick Douglass that if someone is deprived of their rights, human and civil, it's not a bad thing to start with what you can in teaching them how to read. I don't know. Call me a bigot. Call me a racist, but it seems to me that's why we have something here called an education system. Oh, I know we're failing, and I know there is a huge part of this country that doesn't give a damn about not being able to teach kids to read. I know that. 
But count me crazy for thinking it's still not only important, but noble. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. You think about the economy, you think about inflation, you think about the talk of recession, you look at the stock market's volatility, you look at the bank failures, and you ask yourself where to go to invest, and why refi has an answer for you. Invest with them. They have a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Think of that freedom. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio offered by Y-Refi, and they're headquartered here locally. They'd love you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there, and you won't get asked to sign a thing. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that to me. But when you meet with them at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you will. Two, Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. Um. <laughs> Interesting how important these issues of education are, issues of free speech. They kind of go hand in hand. Can't teach if you don't have free speech. There's a NBC headline today. Conservatives are changing K-12 education, and one Christian college is at the center. That's the title. Conservatives are changing K-12 education, and one Christian college is at the center. My first thought is, what's the matter with the rest of them? <laughs> what's the matter with the rest of them? But the, the subtitle is, Republican officials are turning to Hillsdale College in Michigan for teacher training, textbook reviews, and a curriculum that celebrates American patriotism. As Chris Rufo says, they say it like it's a bad thing, because to them that is a bad thing. <laughs> Republican officials are turning to Hillsdale College in Michigan for teacher training textbook reviews and curriculum that celebrate. Where do they where do they want him to go? Stanford, where the president was just fired for shoddy scholarship? Where do they want conservatives to go? Where do they want any Americans to go? Not to Hillsdale. Which, quite frankly, I mean, take a look at their faculty, folks. You think they're—I'd put their faculty up against any of the lightweights we've been talking about these past few days. Victor Davis Hanson, Tom West, R.J. Pastrito, Larry Arn. You ever listen to those Larry Arn discussions on Churchill with Hugh Hewitt on Fridays? You, wanna, you, want, you want life of the mind and joy in learning? Check that out. NBC hates it. Conservatives are changing K-12 education. You think education doesn't need changing right now? Okay, maybe you do. Maybe you think it doesn't change. I say more and faster, please. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.